Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. We're the hosts of the Places Where We Go podcast. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello and thanks for joining us. Today we're going to go visit the home of Her Royal Majesty the Queen of England, a.k.a. Buckingham Palace. Yes, that was one of the main things that we did for that day. I thought initially that it would be way longer of a tour. But we also thought when in England and when in London, this is probably one of the top things that somebody should do as a tourist. So we were we were being the tourists on this day. and Yes, and they have a beautiful gardens, and we did take advantage of that tour after yeah. we visited the Buckingham Palace. So... Why don't you talk to us a little bit, Julie, about what this place is beyond the home of the Queen? Buckingham Palace is the monarchy's residence, and it had been the residence for many, many centuries, at least three that I know of. It's also their administrative headquarters for London, for the United Kingdom. It's located in the city of Westminster. Its palace is often like the center for the British people for occasions, for special occasions or royal occasions, or when there's heads of states that come and they're showing hospitality towards the heads of states. So it is quite a magnificent palace that with much grandeur that you would expect many, many heads of state type of events to happen there. And I think the events that happen there, they do make them very grand which is what royalty should do, right? Mm -hmm. Originally, it was called the Buckingham House. The building at its core today was originally a large townhouse that was built for the Duke of Buckingham in 1703. So that's what I say centuries of use. That's It's been around for a long time. This spot that they built this grand townhome on was privately owned for 150 years. Then King George III came along and he acquired the building and it was used as a private residence for his queen, who was Queen Charlotte, and then it became known as the Queen's House. It's been the London residence for the British monarchy on the ascension of Queen Victoria in 1837. So now it's known as Queen Victoria's Palace She had a 63-year reign, which is her lifetime. And along with the support of her very loving and very attentive husband, Prince Albert, they transformed the palace into the building that it is today. And they also turned it into their family home. She had nine children and she had 42 grandchildren. So they needed a big place. They needed a really big place, and they lived in it. I mean, this was their home. So in this transformation, there ended up being 775 rooms in this palace itself. 
The rooms include 19 staterooms, 52 royal and guest bedrooms, 188 staff bedrooms, because after all, you need many people to staff this royal palace to make it work. There's 92 offices because it's also administrative and 78 bathrooms. I find it hard cleaning too. Mm-hmm. Okay, they have 78. We'll stick with our small house. I like our small house. Yeah, the queen can keep the big house. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about the logistics as a tourist for Buckingham Palace. So unlike some other places in London, Buckingham Palace is apparently not open to the public year round. It's open to the public during the summer months and then outside of summertime for a limited number of tours in December in January and at Easter every year. So this is a place that if you find yourself wanting to visit, highly recommended to go on the website to make sure that during your time in London, you can find out, you know, will Buckingham Palace be open for you to visit as a tourist? Because there's many parts of the year where it is not open. If you're able to go, at least at the time of our visit, a typical adult ticket to visit the state rooms, which is what we did, Mm -hmm. was 26 and a half pounds. And that'll get you in for a tour, which we'll describe to you of Mm -hmm. those rooms in a moment. There's also other tours that you could choose from as well. They offer something called the Royal Day Out, which they call their best value, but that'll run you 49 pounds. And that's gonna get you into the state rooms, what they call the Royal Muse, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right or not, but so. but those are the uh, where you can see how the road travel arrangements for the queen and members of the royal family are put together, as well as the queen's gallery. Or you can just see the royal muse or just the queen's gallery. So you've got lots of options. Mm-hmm. Again, we chose to do the state rooms tour, and then we also added on to that a tour of the garden. So we'll take you through both of those momentarily. But before we walked inside... Uh, We had a chance to visit some of the surrounding areas outside Buckingham Palace that morning that we went. Yes, and I would use these opportunities on the outside of the palace for photo opportunities. Just outside the palace itself is the Queen Victoria Memorial statue. It's a beautiful statue. She was well, well loved by the British people. And you could see it within the memorials that are within and outside outside of this palace. The building itself was magnificent. Mm-hmm. So take many pictures of the building. There's a front entryway that is used probably for the events that happen with a roundabout probably for the heads of state to come in. And so there's a large expanse in the front of it. As visitors, you could go and take many pictures from that viewpoint. When you look the opposite direction of the palace, you see something, you see a park. And this park is called St. James Park. It is expansive. It has many walkways. If you had time before your tour, you could go ahead and walk through this park. And if you're lucky, you will see some rather unusual residents that live at St. James Park. There are famous pelicans. You wouldn't think there'd be pelicans in England. The story is that the pelicans were first introduced to the park in 1664 as a generous gift from the Russian ambassador. In uh, 2013, the people of Prague 
decided to gift over three more of these eastern white pelicans. And they joined the descendants of the original pelicans that were given to the monarchy way back in the 1600s. We didn't get a chance to see the pelicans because they come out only around 2.30 to 3 o'clock daily. But apparently they're very, very friendly. Yeah, we did see the park, though. We saw the park a little bit. We walked a little bit through the park. And got some photos. Mm -hmm. We were there in the morning, so we did not know about these pelicans, Mm -hmm. first of all. And secondly, we were far gone before they were coming out strolling and meeting visitors. So one of the reasons that we had some time to kill that enabled us to see parts of the park, enabled us to get some photos in and around the property was because during our travels, we typically tend to have this philosophy of the early bird gets the worm. So we try to be early to places that we have tickets to, places that we're visiting and you know trying to see as tourists and we did the same thing when we went to buckingham palace we we actually got tickets in advance and there was a time on the ticket that said 10 15. and this is one of those places that if you have a time to get in if you try to be the super early person it's going to do you absolutely no good because they are sticklers on the time if your ticket says 10 15 you're not getting in at least the buckingham palace you're not getting in at 10 10 you're not getting in at 10 05 you're not getting in at 9 45 if it says 10 15 it's 10 15. so that's probably good to know that one they are very stringent on the time that's printed on your ticket i'm not sure what happens if you're late we didn't have that experience. I imagine you might have some difficulties if you're not there on time. So mm-hmm. probably you know, re- one recommendation is be there when the time on your ticket says to be there. And unless you want to do some things around the property, like Julie, you mentioned the St. James Park, right. you're going to find yourself hanging around and waiting if you get there too early. Yeah, we had a little bite to eat because there's some uh, little market was in that area. So we stopped and got something to eat. We got I a think banana. a banana. Yeah. It was good enough. And then this was also a different experience getting into an attraction, uh, much different than any other experience that we had in England. So once the clock hit 10.15, which was our magic time, we went into what I call the holding pen. Yeah, but prior to that, they kind of build the the lineup, the queue Mm -hmm. of only people that had a certain time on their ticket. Mm. You were going to be waiting in a little queue before you got into the holding pen. Yes. Yeah, so after we got into the queue with the right time on the ticket, then we went into what I call the holding pen. And so we're waiting in this area with everybody else, I guess, who has the same time on their tickets. And in this area, you're waiting for everybody before you to go through security. And at Buckingham Palace, they had what I would call almost airport level security. It yeah, was, but it's understandable. Oh, absolutely understandable. Yeah. So there was a bit of a process that we had to go through before we were able to get inside Buckingham Palace. So it's probably helpful to get acquainted with the security and luggage policies and procedures, which you'll find on their website before you go there, just to make sure you have an understanding of what to expect. Mm-hmm. At minimum, you will expect to go through a whole process before you go in. Mm-hmm. They do have accommodation for anybody that is disabled too. Mm. So that's mm-hmm. good to know. As regards photography, 
when you're in Buckingham Palace itself, and again, we went on the staterooms tour, there's no photography allowed inside the staterooms. No photography, no video, Mm -hmm. no filming whatsoever. Yeah. Just understand that as an expectation. One of the things that is provided, though, to help you with your touring experience is a multimedia audio guide. That's available in multiple languages. We uh, you know, got that and then used that as an aid as we walked through the staterooms. Mm-hmm. Very nice to have they explain what you're seeing, which is very nice. Unless you had somebody that was walking as a group and you're, you have a person there that's leading the group, explaining everything. Like a personal tour guide. Right, yeah, right. Yeah, which we did not have. Audio devices are great. A little bit about... Victoria. We know that many palaces were built before Queen Victoria. She was a little bit, I don't think she meant to be, but she was a little revolutionary in sharing her palace with the people, with her people. Before that, rulers would use them as a sign of power and they would be very separated from the people. Victoria made changes to the palace that were very strikingly different from anything in the past. She had put a famous balcony up in uh, some space, I don't know where it is, where the royal family had gathered to share special occasions with their nation. So they made themselves very visible to the people of England. She set up spaces for entertaining that could hold thousands of people. And she revitalized the palace in a way that she shared it with Britain instead of being exclusively for the monarchy, but she shared it with the people of Britain. So I think that's part of the reason that she was very well loved. Mm -hmm. So every summer, Queen Elizabeth II opens the state rooms of Buckingham Palace to the public, and the state room tours are where you can see the opulent palace residents of the royal family, and this, this is their home. One of the neat things for us as tourists is we get a chance to go in and actually see the living area and the uh, entertaining area that is used by the royal family. On the state room tour, there's 19 state rooms, and these go back to some architectural work that was done inside this palace around the year 1825. And they're furnished with amazing treasures from the royal collections. You're gonna see paintings by well-known painters, sculptures, museum quality, phenomenal works of art and all kinds of memorabilia. Very, very palatial, very ornate. Lots of gilded gold everywhere. It is a palace. Even the ceilings are a work of art. Every room that you enter into has some kind of work of art. It is definitely the feeling of walking into something royal. Mm-hmm. If you end up visiting the palace in the summer, you enter the staterooms by walking up this grand staircase. Along the staircase walls, it's full of portraits of the family members of Queen Victoria. They include her grandparents, George III and Queen Charlotte, and the Duke and Duch of Kent, which was her parents, and her uncle, William IV. All painted by very famous painters. Yeah. So Queen Victoria shares a common interest with you, Julie, because you love 
family portraits and family I photographs, do. and the queen seems to as well. Yes, yes. see, we, we, we are simpatico. Yeah, so <laughs> we're going to take you through just a brief descriptions of some of the rooms that you would go through when you visit Buckingham Palace. Again, Julie mentioned you kind of start in this grand entryway. One of the first rooms that we entered after that was what they call the throne room. And this is used by the queen for court ceremonies, for official entertaining. And this was the setting of wedding photos for the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. There's some dramatic architecture in the room, which really adds to the ambience that mm -hmm. you experience in there. And central to this room is a pair of throne chairs, which give the room its name as the throne room. And they're known as chairs of estate. And they were used for the coronation ceremony of the queen in 1953. There's also chairs made for the coronation of King George VI and a single throne chair that was made for Queen Victoria in 1837. The next room that we walked into was what they called the white drawing room. And this was perhaps the grandest of all of the state rooms. It serves as a royal reception room for the queen and members of the royal family. And it's where they gather before official occasions. The painting and sculpture rooms had museum-quality works of art in it. They displayed some of the greatest paintings in the royal collection. Paintings from the picture gallery, they're changed quite regularly because the queen lends out these magnificent works of arts to other museums. When we were there, we saw Italian, Dutch, Flemish works of art from the 17th century, they're grouped into subjects and artistic nationalities. Among the artists was Rembrandt, Rubens, Van Dyck, Claude. I mean, there's so many well-known artists there. The picture gallery has been used for official entertaining. Today, it's a setting for receptions hosted by the queen. Very ornate. I, I, rem I actually remember that room quite well. Yeah. Of the paintings that we saw, and, and there, was, there was quite a few in there, mm -hmm. the ones that really stick out in my memory, and I, I remember I made some notes about these again because we couldn't take photographs, right. but there was a, a famous work by Vermeer that's called A Lady at the Virginal. And just being a keyboardist and musician myself, this is a work of art that I've seen just over the years. And so it was kind of neat for me to actually see it in person. It's um, a very niche type of group of people, I think, who are aficionados of the harpsichord, the clavichord, and the virginal, instruments that are cousins of each other. And there's this, this painting there of a lady sitting at one of these keyboard instruments that probably would have been somewhat common in, I think, around the 1600s or so. We also saw lots of images of Venice, Italy. That seemed mm -hmm, to be one yeah. of the common themes that they had hung up in the room during our visit. They also had a painting, The Assumption of the Virgin, which we looked at and we both said, boy, that looks really mm -hmm. familiar. Mm -hmm. I mean, it had a sense of being uh, some type of Catholic religious art. Yeah. So after the picture room, we entered the ballroom and this was an a huge room. It's probably one of the largest of the state rooms that we saw. This one was completed in 1855 during the reign of Queen Victoria. Originally, it was known as the Ball and Concert Room and it features a musician's gallery complete with an organ. And when we walked in, I think the first 
we saw a sketch of an organ that suggested that there was an organ somewhere in this Mm -hmm. area. Again, you know, being interested in keyboard instruments, my eyes were starting to look for, okay, where's the big organ? And ultimately we saw it. And so that was kind of neat to see. Also in the ballroom, we saw two thrones that were made for the coronation ceremony of King Edward VII and Queen Alexandra in 1902. So those are presented in a very dramatic setting. Then adjacent to the space is a music room, which was used for musical evenings on a weekly basis. I know during history it was done. I'm not sure if that's still done today or not, but given the the size of the room, the access to the instruments that they have, I could see that even on occasion today, there, there might be those types of events that are held for the royal visitors. From there, we proceeded to the green drawing room, another very palatial room. And you know, the note that I had on that, and now this is starting to be a theme, Art's got his eyes open for keyboard instruments. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, the predecessor of the modern piano, which is the forte piano. And they had one of those in there. And so that was neat to see one of these earlier keyboard instruments, post-harpsichord, pre-modern piano. We entered into the sculpture room after that. There was magnificent sculptures very museum-like quality, and you could see these type of museum-like quality sculptures throughout the whole tour, really. Mm-hmm. They were kind of spotted here and there. Mm-hmm. We then entered into a place where there was memory of Prince Albert, who died at the age of 42. There were some pictures there of Queen Victoria in mourning. Apparently, this hit her extremely hard, and she had removed herself from Buckingham Palace. She couldn't bear to be there anymore without her Albert. Yeah, he was her best bud. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She did eventually come out of it. It took a lot of time. I think she always mourned his loss till the end of her time too, but she started to engage a lot more with the help of the British people, I think, who kept encouraging her to to, uh, stay strong. Mm Mm-hmm. So we completed the staterooms tour in just about an hour. It doesn't take a long amount of time. I think, as you mentioned, Julie, we thought that it would be a longer tour. Yeah, I yeah, thought it would be way longer. Yeah, it turned out to be. So one hour kind of from start to finish, you do see some magnificent things. Again, no photographs. There is a gift store on the premises. We didn't buy any of the books that are in there. I imagine that they probably have books that kind of recap all of the rooms that you could take with you as a memento if you so choose. But then we had tickets for the tour of the gardens, but there was some time that we had to kill before that started. So we did stop at the cafe that was on premises. Mm -hmm. We got some Americanos, and I remember we split an egg salad sandwich. Also, you know, popped over to the gift store just to browse around. And then it was time for the garden highlights tour. So we met at the bottom of the stairs where the garden tour began on the opposite side of the entrance where we came in. And our tour guide showed up and began to explain the tour a little bit and and what we were about to see. One of the first things that I noticed, and I'm sure you did too, as we were walking towards these beautiful gardens was the armed guards and probably military with their massive weaponry. Semi-automatics. They were, yes, they were there to protect. I think those were the first armed police security type people that we saw during our time in the UK. I don't remember, Mm -hmm. you know, coming across that before. And then here were these folks in a full-on 
don't mess with me. Yeah. I wondered yeah. if there was somebody from the royal family that was there. Because hmm. the, the area that they were mostly at was their private quarters. Yeah. So they were very attentive and uh, definitely caught our eye. Yeah. But we were off to tour the gardens, and uh, this was a really neat experience. So the layout of the gardens was explained to us as having a serpentine path. So lots of curves throughout the gardens, and it was described to us that it was designed in such a way so that when you were walking through the gardens um, on these, these curved pathways, you'd be in one area, and then when you'd make your way towards one of the curves... It's as if you're in a specific type of garden and you're walking through it and you make a turn and suddenly you're projected into a whole different garden that has different plants and a different layout to it or a different mm -hmm. feel to it. Yeah, so around every turn that you make is a surprise. Yeah. That was a, a really neat layout. I think the entire grounds of Buckingham Palace, if I'm not mistaken, is just under 40 acres, but and the majority of the grounds are this garden. Yeah, gorgeous. They're beautiful. And you mentioned earlier that there's a number of rooms at the palace for staff. I got to imagine some of the staff, they've got, I, I don't know how many gardeners they have, but it's going to take quite a few to keep up this place. Oh, the, absolutely. Gardens were stunning. Yes. And you could see that it is a year-round project yeah. for several people to maintain. Yeah. Now, I do have to say that I did get a kick out of listening to some of the questions that were coming out of the, the folks in our group, and yes. I jotted some of these down. You just, did. Yeah. I actually heard this one that said, there's so many armed people around here, to which we looked at each other. And they asked, is that really necessary? Is that really necessary? And we looked at each other and we're like, Yeah. Yeah, there's royalty that lives <laughs> yeah, here. Or high, of course it's necessary. High-profile people. So the answer to that question is yes, it is necessary for armed security to be at this place. Then somebody else asked, how is it that there's no weeds in the lawn? The, the garden was immaculate. I mean, the whole garden was just immaculate. The lawn was immaculate. And the answer is... They spray it with a garlic oil. Now that fascinated me. Yeah, so we should try that on our lawn because we have a bit of a weed problem in our green stuff. Well, it's not, right? yeah, it's not going to help our lawn. No, baby, it's sorry. not. We need to kind of redo it and kind of yeah. start from scratch. And then somebody asked, so this one was a kick for me. Somebody asks, how come in the gardens there's no flies or insects here? And as this question is being asked, I've got flies and insects flying around my face. So like, uh, <laughs> excuse me, <laughs> they're all over the yes. place. So. Different strokes for different folks, yeah. honey. Yeah. I think when we look back at the tour of Buckingham Palace, I think for both of us, the highlight for us was, or what we enjoyed the most, I think was the garden tour. It was tour. the garden. It, yeah. was, it was gorgeous. And it, I love that uh, element of surprise. Because mm -hmm. as you're winding around and you know that there's something you can't see ahead, and you're, you start wondering, okay, what is that going to be? Yeah. What's it going to look like? It's very pastoral, very peaceful. Mm -hmm. There was uh, some water features there. You had I mean, just all kinds of foliage, bird life. So it was, it, it was really neat. So good for the good for the royals to have that garden because yeah. it's, it's quite something. Yeah. As on many episodes that we have, though, we also learned some fun facts mm -hmm. that we're going to share with you about Buckingham's Palace. One of the things that I learned about, and I didn't know this until after our visit, but there is a way to learn if the queen is on the property Shh. and in the house. It's I know secret. you're not supposed to tell, but we know it's a secret, and we're going to tell you. 
here's the secret code to know if the queen is in when you're in town and when you're at her house. You have to look at the flag that's flying over the palace. If you see the union flag, then you're out of luck. That's the signal that the queen is not at home. But instead, if you see the royal standard flag flying over the palace, then that signifies that the queen is in the house. So that's the big secret. That's um, brilliant. We're, we're sharing that just from us to you. Don't tell anybody else because it's supposed to be a secret. Now, see, if I was guarding the queen, I would have her somewhere else and I'd have the flag flying. Yeah. So, ha, you never know. Yeah. The other fun fact is that there are many, many different clocks within the palace itself and i bet they're not the digital kind no 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 actually i saw i remember a couple of them they were absolutely gorgeous ornate clocks so there is a full-time clock maker that works at the palace who maintains over 350 clocks and watches so he runs around to ensure that the time runs smoothly at the palace and the residents don't miss any engagements that they need to be at I wonder if many of the royal people use the uh, the fancy watches that are of the mechanical kind versus just counting on their iPhone to buzz when they're supposed to be at the, uh, the fancy appointment. Gosh, who knows? Yeah. I still wear a watch with an analog watch. It's enough for us when we have the time change a couple of times a year and we have to probably change four or five clocks. I can't imagine 350, <laughs> yeah. huh? Yeah. So for us, it was a very beautiful tour, a wonderful tour. We did enjoy. The palace was just incredibly over-the-top ornate. But I think, as you said, for me, the gardens was probably the most relaxing, nice, beautiful tour that we took. Yeah, I think if you're going to visit the place, do include the garden tours because that's a really nice addition to add on to whichever of the tours that you're going to select. When I think about our time in the UK, there were a few places where we couldn't take photographs. This is probably the one I remember the best in my memory. I can vividly remember walking into the painting room, walking through the gardens. Up the grand staircase. Yeah, so... um, The throne room. Made quite an impression, Mm -hmm. almost to the point that, you know, photograph wasn't needed to remember all the things that we saw. Yeah, and those memories can be highlighted if you just go to the internet nowadays, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, so their recommendation is to plan for about two and a half hours when you visit. But because there's so many different types of tours that you select, it's really going to be specific mm-hmm. as to if you select just one thing to do or multiple things to do, or if you select that royal day out, which is one of the options, which is probably going to be at least a half day experience, if not longer. Mm-hmm. So. I think for however much time you would have available on a given day to spend at Buckingham Palace, they have all kinds of tour options that you can stitch together for yourself for anywhere from an hour in the staterooms to a whole half day of visiting multiple things at the, at the site. A little advice. Wear very comfortable shoes. I'm always very aware of um, when you have a lot of walking to do, to wear shoes that aren't going to pinch and bind and give me problems. Also, be aware of the weather and dress appropriately, uh, especially if you take the garden tour. Mm-hmm. 
We also recommend getting your tickets in advance. And as we mentioned earlier, be attentive to the time that's printed on the ticket because that's the specific time that you're going to get in. Mm -hmm. So that's our recap of Buckingham Palace. Hopefully gives you an idea of what to expect if you choose to visit this location on a trip to England. We enjoyed it immensely. We still have at least one more review of things that we did in London. So I think next time we get together, we're going to recap some of the best of the various odds and ends of our trip to London. So I think we're going to deviate from a specific location and take you through a whole bunch of things that we did, which should be a fun episode. And until then, happy travels. And thanks for joining us on the places where we go. If you have any comments or info to share with us, about travel, you can write us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now. <laughs>